listening to Rock and Roll Flashback with your hosts, Jumpin' John McDermott and Bill Price. Hey, welcome to Rock and Roll Flashback. I'm Jumpin' John McDermott, and we'll be looking back at some of rock and roll's greatest artists, songs, and stories. Today's podcast will focus on the role and influence of New York City's famous Brill Building. So sit back and have a listen to the Brill Building History, Part 1. The Brill Building is an office building at 1619 Broadway on 49th Street in the New York City borough of Manhattan, just north of Times Square. It's further uptown from the historic musical Tin Pan Alley neighborhood. It was built in 1931 as the Allen E. Lefcourt Building, after the son of its builder, Abraham E. Lefcourt, and was designed by Victor Bark, Jr. The building is 11 stories high and has approximately 175,000 square feet of rentable area. The Brill Building is famous for housing music industry offices and studios where some of the most popular American songs were written. It is considered to have been the center of the American music industry that dominated the pop charts in the early 1960s. The Brill name comes from a haberdasher who operated a store at street level and subsequently bought the building. The New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission, LPC, designated the Brill Building as a landmark in December of 2010. The Brill Building was purchased by 1619 Broadway Realty LLC in June of 2013 and underwent renovation during that decade. A CVS pharmacy opened on the first two floors of the building in 2019. Before World War II, the Brill Building became a center of activity for the popular music industry, especially music publishing and songwriting. Scores of music publishers had offices in the Brill Building. Once songs had been published, the publishers sent song pluggers to the popular bands and radio stations. These song pluggers would sing and or play the song for the band leaders to encourage bands to play their music. During the ASCAP strike of 1941, many of the composers, authors, and publishers turned to pseudonyms in order to have their songs played on air. The Brill Building's name has been widely adopted as a shorthand term for a broad and influential stream of American popular music. It has been strongly influenced by Latin music, traditional black gospel, and rhythm and blues and uh, really enjoyed great commercial success in the late 1950s and throughout the 1960s. Many significant American and international publishing companies, music agencies, and record labels were based in New York, and although these ventures were naturally spread across many locations, the Brill Building was regarded as probably the most prestigious address in New York for music business professionals. The term Brill Building Sound is somewhat inaccurate, however, since much of the music so categorized actually emanated from other locations. Music historian Ken Emerson nominated buildings at 1650 Broadway and 1697 Broadway as other significant bases of activity in this field. 
1962, the Brill Building contained 165 music businesses. A musician could find a publisher and printer, cut a demo, promote the record, and cut a deal with radio promoters all within this one building. The creative culture of the independent music companies in the Brill Building and the nearby 1650 Broadway building came to define the influential Brill Building sound and the style of popular songwriting and recording created by its writers and producers. The Brill Building approach, which can be extended to other publishers that weren't based in the Brill Building, was one way that professionals in the music business took control of things in the time after rock and roll's first wave. In the Brill Building practice, there were no more unpredictable or rebellious singers. In fact, a specific singer in most cases could easily be replaced with another. These songs were written to order by pros who could custom fit the music and lyrics to the targeted teen audience. In a number of important ways, the Brill Building approach was a return to the way business had been done in years before rock and roll since it returned power to the publishers and record labels. And they really made the performing artists themselves much less central to the music's production. I guess they're saying even, even you or I could have sung these songs. Brill Building songs were constantly at the top of Billboard's hit parade and played by the leading bands of the day, such as the Benny Goodman Orchestra, the Glenn Miller Orchestra, the Jimmy Dorsey Orchestra, and the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra. Publishers included those like Leo Feist Incorporated, Lewis Music Publishing, and Mills Music Publishing. Many of the best works in this diverse category were written by a loosely affiliated group of songwriter-producer teams and mostly duos that enjoyed immense success and who collectively wrote some of the biggest hits of the period. Many in this group were close friends and or, in the case of Goffin King, Manuel, and Greenwich Berry, they were married couples, as well as creative and business associates. Both individually and as duos, they often worked together and with other writers in a wide variety of combinations. Some of them recorded and had hits of their own music. Uh, some good examples of that are Carol King, Paul Simon, Burt Bacharach, Neil Sedaka, Neil Diamond, and Boyce and Hart. I'm going to read a few of the most famous writers, and I know a lot of them uh, really produce a lot of great work. Burt Bacharach and Hal David, Burt Burns, Otis Blackwell, Sonny Bono, Boyce and Hart, Neil Diamond, Sherman Edwards, Tony Orlando, Andy Kim, David Gates, Giant Mom and Cape, Jerry Coffin and Carol King, Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Berry, Marvin Hamlish, Hugo Peretti and Luigi Creator, Kander and Ebb, Artie Kornfeld, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, Barry Mann and Cynthia Wheel, John Leslie McCarland, Harris Fry and Gwen Guthrie, Shadow Morton, Klaus Ogerman, Doc Pomas and Mort Schumann, Tony Powers, Beverly Ross, Neil Sedaka and Howard Greenfield, Paul Simon as Jerry Landis, Phil Spector, Eddie Snyder, Bobby Susser, Steve Terrell. 
Uh, there are also a lot of other musicians who were headquartered in the Brill Building, and a lot of them are famous as well. Bobby Darren, The Drifters featuring Ben E. King, Connie Francis, Leslie Gore, Harris Fryer, spelled F-Y-R-E, Fire, Darlene Love, Liza Minnelli, Donald Fagan and Walter Becker, a.k.a. Steely Dan, Gene Pitney, The Ronettes, The Shangri-Las, The Shirelles, The Sweet Inspirations, Doris Troy, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, Dee Dee Warwick, Dionne Warwick, and The Delegates. So hundreds of hits were written by this group. I will be discussing several of the songwriters and teams and their hit tunes in three additional Brill Building podcasts. Many of these writers came to prominence while under contract to Alden Music, a publishing company founded in 1958 by industry veteran Al Nevins and aspiring music entrepreneur Don Kirshner. Alden was not initially located in the Brill Building, but rather a block away at 1650 Broadway at 51st Street. A number of Brill Building writers worked at 1650 Broadway, and the building continued to house record labels throughout the decades. That building at 1650 also housed publishing companies, songwriters, record labels, and artists. In fact, many of the R&B and rock and roll labels and publishing companies and the Allegro studios were in 1650 Broadway. As I said, they were a block and a half away from each other, 1650 and the aforementioned Brill Building at 1619. This has been Rock and Roll Flashback, a look at the Brill Building history, part one of the Brill Building series. Stay tuned for three more broadcasts that will discuss the influence of the Brill Building, in particular some of the songwriters that made it famous and made it into the big time. I'm Jumpin' John McDermott, and until next time, Rock on, rock on, rock on, rock on, rock on.